Hello and welcome back to the Elevate Music podcast, supporting musicians' health and well-being in partnership with Help Musicians. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this episode we'll be talking about resilience. It's become a bit of a buzzword over the last few years. We know about the benefits of being more resilient in our lives, but how do we actually do that? Later in the episode, I'll be speaking to Jack Williamson, founder and CEO of music industry mental health organisation Music & You. Jack unpacks what resilience actually is and gives me some great advice about how musicians can become more resilient in their lives. I'll also be speaking to musician and performer Rhoda Dakar about the support she has around her in her life and music career. But first, 220 Kid has had a phenomenal six months. With a number one single and a Brit Award nomination to his name, despite the pandemic, his career has taken off. But what did it take to get to this point? And does he have any advice for any artists trying to follow in his footsteps? I caught up with 220 Kid after the Brits to find out more. We're here to talk about resilience. Can you tell me, what, what does resilience mean to you? Resilience to me is overcoming difficult situations and circumstances, but then a bit deeper is reflecting back on how that resilience has helped you in other situations further down the line. So can you tell me a bit more about like how you came to have that realisation about resilience and some of the experiences that you've had? I think kind of just like a direct one was my name comes from around 220 miles for charity and I wasn't particularly very fit. So I had to be quite resilient when running these nights. It was like nine marathons in seven days and as many times I, was, I kind of wanted to quit, but I didn't. And then once I completed that, I kind of was like, oh, cool. If you can do this, you can probably kind of do anything you want to do. Like, it's more of like fulfilling an idea. So then when I was like chasing my dreams now, which I had, there was always times which kind of felt like the marathon, which was like, it was longing out. I wasn't really prepared. I was kind of in uncharted territory and I thought I was going to fail. But I was like, well, you did that kind of super physical activity that you shouldn't have done. So you can probably get through this circumstance right now you just keep going it was kind of like when I was running I was like just keep plodding and eventually it'll all add up so yeah when I was having sort of failure moments on my journey I was like we'll just take another step we'll just keep going and we'll, we'll hopefully get to where we want to go you've recently had a number one single and a Brit nomination huge congratulations and it's no mean feat to achieve both of those things and the music industry is a notoriously difficult place to work can you tell me a bit about some of the challenges you've had to overcome to get where you are right now in your career one quite big one was everyone always works to be signed like you're always like oh we'll get signed we've made it everything fits into place mm. I remember I was in a band and we got signed and then that was kind of where it just went wrong because the boss of a label signed us and gave us to an A&R and the A&R didn't want to be told what to do so he longed out the contract I remember every day checking every few minutes to see if this contract had come through for six months and then wow. the contract comes through and then with getting ready to do new music and then he's just being long again and for circumstances in my family like signing that deal was really important for financial circumstances so I kind of like put on everything that we had to do this deal and that would fix everything and then it just became a real problem and then eventually like it was like another three months later so it's like nine months in total thinking we've like achieved what we wanted to do they just get an email being like sorry we're not going to work with you anymore it's quite a pivotal point for me I was like right well I'm just going to make my own label I'm going to learn how to run a label I'm going to learn how to release music and learn how to do promo radio make videos direct videos all of it and i was just like cool let's go you can accept that you're gonna be sleeping on sofas for a while but i'm sure it can't get any worse than this so it can only get better which was kind of the attitude i had so i just kept just got to work then really 
the mindset you're describing here, like, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to take the next step. Where do you think that originated from? I think I had a lot of opportunities when I was a kid and I just took them for granted and I regretted it so often. And I always had this, like, when it came to music, I had this feeling and it was like, you need to do this. This is for you. And you'll never feel satisfied. You always have this like butterflies in your stomach. Mm. You don't do it. And one of my, my friend and my godfather passed away in the same month. And my friend was really talented and he could have done anything and he didn't get to do, he didn't get to fulfill his potential. So I was like, oh, okay, you have a, a tiny bit of potential. So it's selfish to live your life not doing that. So it kind of became like a bit of a, a more of like a no brainer for me that I had to try it because like he didn't, he didn't get to do that. And like I said before, my family had circumstances that needed help with. So I was like, I have to make it because it's not just on me. It's on everyone around me. So it makes it a lot easier to go through everything when it's not just about you. We've seen a lot of challenges that musicians are facing, you know, both physical and mental in the music industry. What have you noticed from your friends and like peers about how they're able to bounce back from challenges? Like, would you say musicians are generally a resilient group or do you think you're quite unusual? If you reach the level that we're like, I'm kind of at now, then you've just gone through, you've gone through the mill. You're like, you've taken a battering. So you probably <laughs> are quite leather skinned. It's like, just it doesn't really get any easier. Like the higher up you go, there's just different challenges and there's different stresses and more, there's like more people involved in providing those stresses and challenges yeah. and keep a lot more people happy and I can't fail. And then, so then it's like the choices you make, the music you put out, it's started off being like fun in ways, but now it needs to make sure people can live. It's kind of, there's, there's a lot that comes into it and it's like balancing between being artistically satisfied and being true to myself and just being business smart as well. Mm-hmm. How do you cope with the pressure of it? Sports, therapy every Monday, which just helps me process the week before. I've moved away across to more of a sobriety way of living, which has been a massive influence on that, on how to like handle situations. Like I can really pick up situations I've been in the last few months where if I'd been feeling a heavy weekend, then I wouldn't have been able to deal with them mm-hmm. as assertively and directly as I had. I really do advocate quite heavily for the impacts of a non-sober lifestyle is quite actually devastating <laughs> compared to what you think it is. And a lot of the people who, like if you listen to someone like Macklemore talk and he's sober and he's like, the difference in how he progressed his career is quite startling. And there's a quote he said, which always, it just stuck with me. It really stuck with me. And it was like, he just said, if I knew if I wanted to fulfill my potential, I had to go sober. And what's that like being sober in the kind of a- arena that you're working in? I was DJing at something and then they're like, do you want to come to our birthday afterwards? And I have to be like, okay, how's the birthday setup going to be? Who's going to be there? How is that birthday going to come across? So it's kind of like, actually, I'm just going to go home because that's just too much stress mm-hmm. to at the moment. I've set early morning wake-ups for like sports or I've got a dog now. So the dog, I need to get up for that. I can't be out all night. I've had to put conscious choices in to make that lifestyle an unconscious choice. It becomes second nature that I don't do these things. How do you prepare yourself if you've got a live show coming up? resilience of my shows like when I was in my band the first shows I did I hid behind the speaker and stuff and I was like okay well you're gonna have to do these shows like you have to do them so you have to learn to be able to do it so I went through a really good phase of that but I still got terrified I'd always come off stage and cry and I'd always have a come down for like a couple of days afterwards so it's quite it's actually quite exhausting doing performing and now I've got to do DJing which is even more I feel like everything's closing in on you so like the other day my friend was DJing at a restaurant I just went along and I DJed while she was there which so meant no one knew I was doing it no there's no pressure on me to do it and there's no pressure on what to play so I just mm-hmm. wanted to get used to being around people mixing 
I saw the power of a great show was I played at Manchester Pride and it was like 7,000 people and we'd done a video supporting Pride movement and I was talking about it and people were like replying and there was like the energy was incredible I was like oh this is what doing a great show feels like going and playing that restaurant the other night just meant that now when I go and play next Sunday to a couple thousand people I've really been out and tested the songs in my own environment under my own terms. Can you tell me a bit about what you do to wind down afterwards? Because obviously, like, you know, rest and relaxation and in order to bounce back are so important. Is that something that you take into consideration after shows? If I have any big moment in my life, I always have a massive adrenaline crash afterwards. It's like signing a deal. I felt miserable for at least a month after that. Brit Awards, after that, I really crashed again. But I get better at it now because I like set stuff in place. So Brits was on Tuesday night. I set a therapy session for 10 a.m., Wednesday morning so I couldn't mess myself up I had like a safe space to wake up and process the day before too things like that I had my personal training in the afternoon it's just like it's forward planning for me because I know my brain's quite unpredictable and my mood's quite unpredictable but I can kind of predict what can make them unpredictable if that makes sense so I'm like okay I need to set up this safe space it's like I was meant to have a photo shoot Thursday, but I've got a show Friday and I know if I do the shoot, it's going to really stress me out, which then I'll build the adrenaline. So when I do the show, I'll probably crash harder. So I'm like, cool, take that shoot out. We'll move it to the week after. How do you approach a show or any kind of commitment for that matter? Like if you've got promo or whatever, how do you kind of get into the right frame of mind? I will let my management know I don't feel great. And that's that's actually quite liberating because like my manager she's great she's very like protective and sensitive mm-hmm. she understands so she'll make sure that things are in place but i did like an interview i had to do an interview on mental health recently and i was really not in a great place so it's just like take a deep breath and just like get on with it but then i'm quite open and honest like if i'm doing something and i don't feel good i will just tell the person i'm like sorry this is how i feel right now so we just can do our best and then you're not like swimming against the tide of pretending say i have to do like a big I think I've done a live stream before and I felt terrible. I was like, cool, I'm just gonna have I'm just gonna pre-mix the show, take that stress off. Like always take stress off. I know I have these shows this weekend, I'm gonna play live, but if something happens, I've also got the set recorded just in case, and then I'm fine. Like the it's cool. Take some personal space. Like if I'm really overwhelmed, I'll go stay in a hotel for a night. Cause I have like quite a lot of problems with sound and repetitive sound and how that drives me nuts. So if I'm not feeling great, if there's extra sound, like right now there's a someone doing wood chopping outside my house with a chainsaw on a bad day that would I'd probably leave London because that would send me so mad (laughs) I've like learned to um, to like deal with that (laughs) and be a lot calmer and finally I just wondered if you had any advice for anyone listening obviously it's been such a difficult year for so many musicians and you know you've been through so many challenges yourself have you got any advice on on how to just keep going and, and and get through it so if someone's listening, they're probably holding a phone and if they don't feel good, they can probably just open WhatsApp and text their like closest mate and be like, I don't feel great. And if you don't think you can talk to a friend, you can just Google online therapy, online support, free help, free therapy. There's so many resources that they could probably have done in this time that I'm saying this, which I think it's one of the hardest things is breaking down like the barrier to get help or to ask for help or to tell someone you're not all right. That's always the terrifying part. And that's probably actually so much simpler than you think. And people are way more understanding than you think. Maybe it's like using an example. I've been from the point where, yeah, like I said before, like my dad was picked me up off the floor because I was having like a mental episode to where I am now, where you just said I've had a number one, I've had a Brit Award nomination. I feel a lot stronger. And it's like at the time you're in your darkest place, you kind of don't think you don't think you'll ever get out of it. But 
I know you'll get out of it and I know you can get out of it and it can take some time, but it's always just like, again, resilience. Like it's just one little step forward. So the little step you might need right now, if you're listening, you don't feel great is to just Google help or just text a friend and be like, I don't really feel too good. Can we talk? And that's the first step. And that's the biggest step. And once you've taken a step, you're actually eventually going to be closer to your destination than you are to where you started. So I think that's my advice. That was 220 Kid, and if you need to contact someone about your mental health, you can either call the Music Minds Matter helpline on 0808 802 8008, or you can download the NHS-approved app Thrive. Help musicians have funded a number of free access codes, so head to the show notes for one of those. Rhoda Dakar has been performing for 50 years both as a solo artist and with bands such as The Body Snatchers, The Specials and Madness. I had a chat with Rhoda to find out about the support she has around her and the advice she gives to the artists she works with. Could you tell me about some of your earlier experiences of music? I'm mixed race, so I come with my own particular baggage, which in the 70s meant that nobody wanted you. You know, you weren't claimed by anybody. That's how I grew up. And because I liked slightly different music and because I dressed a a slightly different way, I didn't dress like most people. And in order to be part of the mainstream, you had to dress like the mainstream. And I wasn't really about to do that. So essentially, back then, I had to worry about just not being hassled. And so I was kind of out on the edge with the freaks, you know, like I was into Bowie. We were we dressed differently and we went to different kinds of clubs and inevitably that kind of joined us up with the emerging punk scene and so that I lived out there with the punks and so I had no sense of being particularly disempowered. I felt completely empowered because the people inspired by the music were a group and they were a very disparate group and, you know, we were black and white and we were from different parts of the world and we were from different socioeconomic climates and we were Jewish and we were gay and straight. You know, we were all of those things. I was really struck when we spoke about how you took anger that you faced about injustices that you came across and you transformed it into useful action. Can you tell me a bit about that? Well, I suppose the current one is that somebody said I couldn't do any teaching in a university and not even a regular academic institution, one of these modern music universities, because I didn't have a degree. And it's like, yeah, if I want to sort of tell people about performance, I don't really need a degree to do that. But they said your 50 years of experience on the stage mean nothing. What you actually need is a degree. So I just thought right, I'll get a degree then. (laughs) So that's kind of my first reaction when faced with the challenge is not to be upset by it. It feeds into my anger and I thought, right, I'll show you, I'll get a degree. And so that's what I'm doing now, just to be able to say, ha ha. Quite often in my life, my reaction is to be angry rather than to be upset. Because as John Lydon said, anger is an energy, you know. It is an energy and it does take you places. If you take that anger and do something with it rather than take it and turn it in on yourself, then you will actually make a difference and it may not resolve 
things for you the way you want, but it will resolve something or begin to help to resolve something. And then you can say, well, look what I did. I took your Mm -hmm. rejection and I did this with it. Is that something you were taught, that idea of turning anger into action? Or is it something that you discovered over time? Being indignant and angry is kind of my probably default position. That's just personality. So if people say this isn't right when I know it is, I would be furious as a child. How dare you say that? You don't know what you're talking about. And because in my upbringing, I was taught to value my own opinion. And my own opinion was valued by my dad, particularly not my mum so much, but my dad was very much into, you know, he would give you space and hear you and argue back with you having an idea and being able to support it to someone else is something that I was kind of encouraged to do and having your own opinion was important in my family and it's that's something that I passed on to my children in the sense of you know if they say oh can we do this and I would say "Mm, my first thought is no but if you can give me a good reason if you can give me a good argument as to why we should then maybe I'll reconsider so i always taught them to think about what it is they want and why they want it and why it's important. So I know you teach a lot of artists. Do you have any general advice that you can offer our listeners? I think encouragement is much more positive. Like the skints, I remember seeing them. They were still children, I'm sure. This is like the early noughties. I did a gig with a band and and the skints were the support they were absolutely clearly going to be brilliant. So it's been a joy just to watch them, to just keep saying, you know, you're brilliant, I love what you do, always support them, and particularly female artists, always back them up, because this is something that hasn't happened. People haven't backed each other and sort of been in each other's corner, and it's something that... I always try to do now and other female artists you know like Pauline Black and whatever we will if we see post by each other always back each other up and it's because I think it's important to show solidarity with other female artists if I do a gig where I can choose the support act I always try and choose a support act that is a female band or has a female fronted band just try and do that because the music business is a sausage fest it's important to try and antidote that I mean, essentially, if what you want to do is survive as a woman in the music business, there are a few things I would probably say is that one is don't believe everything they tell you. So if somebody says, if you do this, then that that kind of if then construction, I think Yes, the power of no, it's really important to be able to say no to things and to know that that's okay. And, you know, if something feels uncomfortable or something feels wrong, then just say no to it. You don't have to do any of it. And it's your choice. One of the things that I really do believe in is about music is that it's work. It's not play. You know, it's music is work. So the harder you work, the more fun you will have if fun is what you're after. But you do need to work at music and you need to work hard at music and you don't get worse. You put an effort into it, you don't get worse. You don't get Mm. worse at music, you get better at it and you get more skilled at it and when that happens, it is more fun to do. That was Rhoda Dakar and to find out more about her music, you can follow her on Twitter at Rhoda Dakar. 
We'd like to thank Help Musicians for their support in bringing you this episode. They're an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare, creative funding opportunities and business support, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Jack Williamson has spent 20 years in the music industry and has worked with some of the biggest names, supporting them in their career through his organisation Music & You. I loved chatting to Jack about all aspects of resilience, and although we won't be able to cover everything here, Jack's giving some resilience workshops online for help musicians. So if you want to hear more of Jack's brilliant advice, head over to the show notes where we've put a link to those webinars. We hear the term resilience a lot. It's a bit like one of those words like well-being. But what does it actually mean? Yeah, so resilience over the past few years has become one of those buzzwords that many people use to talk about and facing challenges that they come across in their life. And so the way I look at it is from the perspective that we don't just go through life, we grow through life. And no matter who we are or what we're going through, we're going to face different challenges in our lives. So whether that be a breakdown in our relationships, a shift in our careers, the loss of a loved one. And resilience for me is about the ability to face these issues as and when they come along and to be able to work through and process those issues in a safe space. And so what makes somebody able to bounce back from those issues more than another person, for example? That's a really important question. I love that you use the word bounce back there. And I think often everyone is going to experience problems in life, no matter who you are. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that in some settings we may be fine to work through an issue, but in another setting we may not if it's the same situation. And it's dependent on three kind of key themes or key things that I want to look at when I work with someone. It's like, well, what support do you have around you at that moment in time? What framework do you have around you in terms of friends or tools and techniques that you may use to actually help you get through a space and time? In addition to that, having that support system there, it's, well, what's going on for you currently in your life? Are you experiencing one issue at the moment or are you experiencing multiple issues? So for someone, moving house can be an extremely traumatic experience because you're uprooting your whole life. But if you're doing that on your own, as in that's the only issue that you're experiencing, it might be okay. But for me, the day I moved house last time, I also lost my dad on the same day. And so to experience two traumatic events simultaneously, that can make me less resilient because I'm having to cope with two different things simultaneously rather than focusing on that one thing. So that's the second area that you want to kind of be focusing on. What is going on for you at that moment in time? And then thirdly, what happened to you historically in your childhood and how has that formed certain values or beliefs that you hold? Because the stories we tell ourselves come from what we learn in our childhood and that can be from family, that can be from friends, that can be from the culture or religion that surrounds us, that can be the media. And so it's about understanding those beliefs that you hold and whether they are serving you or hindering you. So it's looking at those three components to actually help navigate how resilient you are at any one time. Wow, that's fascinating because I know that Rhoda had quite a challenging career at times, but she kept talking about the community that she had around her from her early days with all the punks and then to sort of where she is now. And it's always her friends who pull her back into music and how she really tries to create a a, a good community around the new artists that are coming through. That's a really powerful factor, is it, in, in protecting resilience? Yeah, and I really love what she shared about how 
when people would tell her, no, like, no, you need a degree to do this, that she used that as the fuel to fire her to move forward rather than the water or the towel to put that fire out inside of her. And I think that's the thing. It's how do you reframe that feedback and not see it as a failure, but as feedback to learn and grow from and ask yourself those questions that will help you to move forward. So if you face a challenging situation or something that's gone wrong in your life, it's like, well, what went well? would be the first question and ask yourself that then the next question would be well what did I learn in that situation and then the third question is well what can I do differently moving forward and so we heard from 220 kid as well who has an amazing capacity for bouncing back from challenges and it seemed that it wasn't just formed in his career but a lot of the things that he does all in different areas of his life What have you noticed about musicians' capacity for resilience? I think he shared it's those people that you see that have the success in our industry. And success is very different for each individual. It's not a number one record or it's not a global sold out tour. Everyone has a different metric of success. But what you see of those people that do have success in whatever metric they have is that they have this inner ability to reframe those setbacks and take those as learnings and tools that they can move forward and actually get the evidence of what happened for them and what went well and actually equip themselves with new knowledge, new techniques to diversify their skill set, as he mentioned he did himself, 220 Kid, to actually help him become better equipped to actually work in different areas or different segments of his career so that he has that knowledge that can help move him forward and not keep him stuck in a position that actually doesn't allow his career to flourish and grow. And he's a great example of someone that's been going at it for seven years, been in a band, now doing a thing on his own and actually get into a space now where he has been nominated for a Brit, where he has one of the biggest selling singles of 2021. And he kept on overcoming those hurdles or obstacles because the fire inside him burned brighter than the fire outside of him trying to stop him from moving forward. One of the things that really struck me from our conversation was how self-aware he was and how that was able to actually really support his health by being so mindful about when he needs to take a break or when he needs to leave a situation or plan a therapy session in advance of of a stressful situation. Can you tell me about the benefits of of therapy for musicians? Yeah, I I think 220 quid when listening to his interview, it just it really inspired me because those people who look outside dream, but those people who look inside awaken. And for him, he was able to look inside himself and get to understand himself better, to look at what was serving him and what was hindering him and to be able to navigate that pathway that he's been doing therapy now for, I believe, just over a year and get those benefits out of that space to actually learn to help serve himself and not put himself first per se, but actually to include himself in the picture and know his boundaries. Because when we look at our decisions in life, We're not judged necessarily by what we say yes to, but what we say no to. And actually by putting those boundaries in place and actually knowing that actually I'm not in a good headspace right now, so it's better for me to not do this or to actually disclose from the start, look, I'm struggling right now, but I will do the best with the resources that I have or the space that I'm currently in, actually sets the framework for you to be in a better position and it eases the burden that you're going through because a problem shared truly is a problem halved. In that therapeutic space, 
It's actually unpicking that. Where does that come from? How is that serving you? What is a new narrative that can be put in place if it's not serving you that can actually help move you forward? And I think what 220 Kid has done and what he kindly shared with your interview is that that space has enabled him to actually prioritise himself and put himself first and enable him to actually be in a position that now if he wants to go gardening or if he wants to spend time with his sister and pick her up after work, he can because that actually helps him. And by helping himself, he's able to help others in his career as well. How hard is that for new artists? So he said that, you know, he can tell his manager if he's not feeling great. What about if you're just emerging and you know how competitive it is? How easy is it for a new artist to, to, to talk about their boundaries? It can be really hard. I, I have I have the privilege of working with a lot of new artists. And one of the things that comes up time and time again is that need for validation. Again, when you're starting your career, you entrust your career in the hands of managers or your lawyer or a booking agent. And again, you only have one career, whereas a booking agent or a manager or a label or a publisher, they can have multiple artists on their roster. And so for artists, it's about understanding, well, what is that need for validation, whether that's looking to social media to get a certain number of likes or whether that is getting the approval from someone that is an authority figure? Well, where does that come from and how is that serving you? And if you can start to unpick that, and actually help them develop healthier boundaries with themselves, but also communicating what is important to them versus what success looks like, because they can be two opposing metrics. And that's where the mental health issues can come along. Because if success to you is having a top 10 single, but what's important to you is having full creative control. There were only three artists in the chart last year that had a top 10 single that had full creative control. So that could be a challenge in itself because it's not impossible for a person to achieve that, but the odds are stacked highly against you. So you need to be able to make sure that your team is working in your best interest and that you're able to communicate your truth and know what your negotiables are. If this is what I need, that's a non-negotiable, but other stuff is negotiable. And if you can communicate what your non-negotiables are, that I won't wear provocative clothing or I won't cover songs I always want to write or co-write songs if you're clear on that then you actually put those boundaries in people will understand and they may not agree but they will respect you more because they know that that line in the sand is drawn and not to cross it and then you're honoring yourself rather than saying oh, okay I'll cover this song and before you know it you've gone down a pathway so far that you who you were is completely different to who you are so it's about making sure that you stay true to yourself and be able to communicate what is true What other things do you think musicians can do to become resilient? Every artist is different and every artist comes in with a different perspective, a different support structure, a different version of what success looks like to them. And again, as you evolve on your career, your success will change. As you move up the ladder in your career, problems will change because your problems may be have enough money to put food on the table then the next thing may be a problem is like well where are we going to stay tonight on a tour but then the next problem may be like okay well what songs am I performing or like how do we put on another show because this show is sold out so you're constantly trading problems in life and it's just looking at what tools and techniques will work for that individual so what are your triggers understanding what success is and what's important to you and whether that aligns with where you're at at any one point. Learning to say no. If it doesn't align with who you are and where you are, 
you are defined, as I said before, more by what you say no to than what you say yes to. And again, it's actually looking at relieving that pressure, making sure you take time and make time for self-care to actually work that into your schedule first and foremost, because stress and anxiety is counterproductive to creativity and productivity. And so if our stress levels are really high, our anxiety levels are really high, that's going to hinder our ability to be creative and to write those amazing songs that artists all around the world do. It's going to hinder us from being productive so we're not able to fulfill our commitments that may be in our diary at any one time. So it's just how can we relieve or alleviate those stress levels? How can we alleviate that anxiety and provide those techniques that I work with clients, whether it's the M&M technique, just utilising that and working with each artist individually to understand what that may be and then support them appropriately. What I always say to artists is that you need to make sure that on your rider, you have M&Ms. The five M's, which really helps artists when they're in a state of anxiety, especially performance anxiety, which I work with a lot of artists on, that happens when they're touring or when they're having to perform or when they're in a different situation where they're meeting people for the first time in the studio. And so the five M's are movement. So your adrenaline levels are running high because your anxiety has been triggered. And so it's like, how can you harness that energy? So whether that's dancing around your room, whether that's going for a run or something to harness that energy that the adrenaline is going around. So it's harnessed in a positive way rather than a negative way. So that's the first M. The second M is motivation. So what am I going to do to motivate myself? So Am I going to listen to an inspiring song that motivates me? Some people listen to motivational playlists. Some people listen to motivational speeches. So that would be the second M that you can look at. The third M is mantras. So a lot of times it's artists will have that negative talk saying, you're going to fail, you're going to flop, no one's going to enjoy your show, etc., etc. And it's like, well, what are the mantras that you can say to yourself that will actually tell you so? I am the best or I am great or I am good enough or I am amazing or today I'm going to let my inner goddess take over. Whatever the mantra is, is that you say that to yourself enough that it's actually going to help you to quieten those negative talks or negative words that are going around inside your head. The fourth M is mentorship. So if you're going through this situation, how can you tap into people around you or similar artists that may experience something similar to actually help you navigate what's going on for you. So if you're on the road, it may be a bandmate, it may be a tour manager. If you're in a studio, it may be a songwriter or it may be a producer. It could also be someone that's on your phone that's available to you, a friend that's an artist that's been through what you're going through before. The first time maybe you're doing a support show in a arena, for example, it's like, well, how do I deal with this? Maybe you speak to the headline act or maybe you speak to a friend that's done a support slot before like you and knows what it feels like to help ask and answer those questions for you. So that's the fourth M. And then the fifth and final M is the metabolism. So what am I consuming right now that's actually helping or hindering me? So if you look at from an anxiety focus alone, that anxiety can be enhanced if you're having a poor diet so eating junk food it can be enhanced if you're drinking too much caffeine and it can be enhanced if you're drinking alcohol so looking at what you're consuming through your metabolism is going to either help 
or hinder you in terms of exacerbate that anxiety or reduce it. But also the metabolism is the consumption of other stuff as well. So if I'm consuming too much negative news or if I'm on social media and looking at too many people that are hashtag blessed or hashtag living my best life, that may make me feel worse about myself. So what I'm metabolizing or what I'm consuming can actually help or hinder me. So they're the five M's that would actually... I'd work with artists to actually make sure that they have that in space to help them if they're feeling anxious before going and doing a performance or going into a new environment that creates social anxiety for them. Can we just touch on scheduling very briefly? Because one of the things that I'm really fascinated by is where resilience meets overwork. So we see huge demands placed on artists especially with scheduling and travel. And and if someone's blowing up, obviously, it's, you know, if if they're suddenly really hot and demanded in in all kinds of territories, there's a lot more pressure that they have to fulfil all of those obligations. Where do you see the line between, okay, we need to encourage this artist to be resilient and bounce back and, and, and increase almost their workload? And at what point is it overwork that actually might lead to some kind of crisis or burnout or exhaustion? Yeah, I think that that's one of the most important points because artists are self-employed. It's There's no structure to your day. And at different points, you can have lows and highs. You can be in cycle or off cycle. And so there's no nine to five, so to speak. And I think it's really important to actually understand that different people will have different work ethics and different energy levels. And so when you're looking at the schedule, it's like, well, what is reasonable for that person? I remember when I worked at Sony with one artist, we were in four different countries in one day doing breakfast show in London, then a radio gig in Holland, and then a TV show in Finland, and then finishing with the Nobel Peace Prize in Norway. And it was ridiculous that we were doing so much and it was like, oh, but we need to take advantage of the opportunities. And again, there's that fear there that you're not going to be able to be able to do this again. This is our only chance. And so I think what's important is when you're looking at the schedule, it's actually sitting down with the artist, first and foremost, or sitting down with the team and establishing, well, what do I need to actually operate at my best? What will help me operate at my best? Is it that I need eight hours of sleep a night or is it that I actually only need six hours of sleep a night what works for you because everyone needs a certain amount of sleep and that varies person to person what is it that you need in a space to make sure that you're able to perform at your best some artists need to have no disruptions before they perform some artists they're on complete vocal rest before they perform a TV show because if they're doing interviews back to back all day, it's going to impact their vocal performance when it comes to the performance on that TV show or that concert. So it's again, it's looking at that individual and being like, well, what works for you? How does it operate for you so that you can look at the schedule in that perspective? And then importantly, equally in terms of the amount of work in the schedule, it's like, well, when are your breaks? What do you have for a break? Do you have off day scheduled in? Is your off day actually also a travel day? So that doesn't really count because you're traveling and you may be flying an eight hour flight, which means that you're five hours behind or five hours ahead, which then actually messes with your circadian rhythm, which is your body clock. So then you're thrown off kilter and then, you know, like we all have experienced jet lag, it's you're you're off cycle so then you're not your energy levels are different so again it's about making sure that well where is the time off what do you need to sleep what do you need to be able to perform vocally 
knowing what you need in terms of your ability to be able to fulfill your commitments and then making that clear with your team, which primarily will be your manager, so then that can be relayed or radiated to the appropriate people so that you know that you're going to be able to continue to operate your, at your best rather than have those gradual declines to the point where you end up burnt out or having a breakdown because you're physically exhausted, you're mentally exhausted and it's just become too much for you. As we're recording this, musicians are starting to get back to live performance and that is obviously going to be a huge source of stress. Do you have any advice for anyone who's feeling quite anxious about the return to live music and performing? It can be extremely overwhelming to go back into an environment that does spark anxiety levels. So I think what I would say is to tap into those five M's, that motivation, that movement, those mantras, that metabolism, that mindfulness, and just actually make sure that you're in a situation where you get yourself prepared and have that support system around you to actually make sure that when you go back into that live arena, whatever it may be, whatever size it may be, and just make sure that you've got that support there for you. And again, talk to people. Because if you're getting your head, it can talk you out of performing, it can talk you out of stepping outside of that comfort zone that we've been in for the last 12, 14 months of being at home. And it's actually about reconnecting with what you love and your passion and your creativity and stepping out into that arena or stage or whatever you want to call it and actually reconnecting with what you love, which is one of the most inspiring things and that gift that you give to the world each and every time you perform, the music that you perform that really touches the hearts and souls of your fan base or the audience. And if you have those five M&Ms with you that will help you to deliver that and get you in the right headspace to do that, then the world really is your oyster. That was Jack Williamson. And to find out more about his work, visit musicandyou.co.uk. Is resilience something you're conscious of? And if so, what do you do to stay resilient? Send us an email at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or find us on social media at elevatemusicpod and let us know. Thank you to 220Kid, Rhoda and Jack for speaking to me. You've been listening to the Elevate Music podcast with me, Lucy Heyman. If you want to find out more about how to look after your health and well-being as a musician, Rianne Jones and I have just written a book on this topic. It's called Sound Advice and it's available at soundadvicebook.com where we also have a free online directory of health, well-being and business resources for musicians. So do check those out. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen Entertainment in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thanks for listening. We've got links to the mental health app Thrive and Jack's workshop in our episode's show notes, so don't forget to check those out. In the meantime, take care and we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next episode.